And I want us this morning to see what we have through Christ Jesus as believers. I want us to begin to think of things that uh, He has stolen from us. And I know that there's at least one person, I've, I've just had this inner witness that there's at least one person, if not multiple people this morning, whom you have had things stolen on a consistent basis and you're tired of it. And I want you to see this morning as a believer of Jesus Christ that those things can come to an end and you can begin to be so blessed and be restored uh, greater than you ever were before. Doesn't that sound good? And like I say, I know this is uh, maybe something we've talked on uh, a few times before, but uh, listen up. I think uh, this is just something that we really need to understand. I think the first thing that we need to understand in all of this is we have to understand the nature of God. First of all, understand the nature of our God. In Joel chapter 2, it starts out like this in verse, well, in verse 25, it says, So I will restore to to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. There's multiple definitions of this locust that comes in to consume. And once again, it reminds me of how these these swarms of locusts would come in and, and devour their crops. They would come in and devour their shrubs and their trees and, and their fruit. And anything that was out that was edible by a locust, these things would swarm in and take over everything that was in a person's life. It would consume them. It reminds me of the definition of the devil. He comes to kill to steal, and to destroy. And you know that that's what the devil wants to do with each and every one of us. And it's not so much because of you, it's because of Christ in you. That's why the devil wants to destroy you because of Christ in you. He hates God and he hates Christ and what He did for us on the cross, and He wants to keep us blinded to the things that we have because of the cross of Christ. And He hates all of that stuff, and so He wants to kill, to steal, and to devour you. And so we have these consuming locusts that were coming against the Israelites. In verse 26 it says, But you you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. So how do you and I stand on a verse like this that was really promised to the Israelites. We have to understand that we are just like the Israelite people. We are in covenant relationship with the Lord. That's how the Israelites were given this promise. And there's many promises throughout the Old and the New Testament of how God makes these promises to His Israelite people and in the New Testament to us as covenant people. You have to understand, you are in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ whenever you receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. It has to be both. Lord and Savior. When you are in covenant relationship with Him, then you can stand on these kind of promises. And these kind of promises... Really what they do is they show us the character of God. That's what I like about reading these kind of verses. It shows us the kind of person that God is. God wants you restored. I know it's tough sometimes standing on healing. Sometimes we've seen 
people healed, and sometimes we haven't seen people healed. But I want to tell you, it's the character of God to heal. How do we know that? What happens if you cut yourself? Your body begins to heal itself, doesn't it? Well, that's because we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, and your body is designed to begin to heal. That's just the character of who God is. So as we read these kind of verses, we begin to pick up on the character of God. Now let's look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. Many of you would know these verses. Excuse me. Once again, this verse here tells us about the character of God. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Aren't you glad of that? If we're bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse like we are supposed to, God says, I'm going to put this hedge of protection around you. And not only that, I'm going to cause blessing to come upon you because you are being obedient to bring an end to the storehouse, your tithes and your offerings. What, what happens whenever we are faithful in tithes and offerings? This should be a rare thing for you to be hearing from me because we rarely talk about money. But this morning, I want us to see the character of God as we are faithful in our giving. When we are faithful to give Him the first fruit of our wages, you are saying, not only with your mouth, but you're saying it with your pocketbook, I trust in God. When you do that first, not second, not third, not if I have enough left over, not if things happen to go well this week, it's every week. I am faithful to give God the first fruits of what He blesses me with. I'm saying, God, I believe in You. I trust in You. And I know that You're going to, in turn, bless me and watch over me. I'm going to just start from the beginning. Once again, verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourers for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I don't care if you don't get planted until the end of June, maybe even the first of July, you are not going to have a crop that is going to be devoured. You are going to be blessed of the Lord. And God's going to be the one who gets the glory. Hallelujah. I believe that. I know this has been an extremely tough year for farmers. It's going to be a tough harvest. It's going to be the whole 2019 is a challenge. But God's going to get the glory and He's going to be high and lifted up because you will be blessed. I believe it with all my heart. Why? Because it's the character of God. Do disasters come? Do things happen to people? It's happening right now in New Orleans once again. I believe that a person can live right in the heart of New Orleans and somehow still be blessed. Will there be things taken from them, stolen from them? Very well possible. I don't know. But I do know one thing. God's a restorer. He restores to the one who is faithful and who loves Him. Will things happen to us? We know that trials and tribulations come. 
In this life you shall have tribulation. But aren't you glad we have a Father who cares about every aspect of our life and He will restore us. Hallelujah. Verse 12, And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I think each and every one of us can be more than just a delightful land. We can be a delightful household. I think your household can be so blessed because you recognize the goodness of God that you have a delightful household. People enjoy coming to your place because there's something peaceful about it. There's just something anointed about your household. Having a delightful household, living in a delightful land. Now let's look at Philippians 4.19. Now, that's all been Old Testament. Let's take a look at the New Testament. Philippians 4.19, you probably know this verse. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you stand on it? You see, whenever you get in between a rock and a hard place, what are you going to do? Are you just going to look at the rocks or are you going to look at the Word? Whenever you get into a situation that you can't handle, that's the perfect position to be in where God can handle it and He gets all the glory. Hallelujah. So, my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then we have this in 1 Timothy 6.17. I've read this Scripture many, many times. I shared it here a few weeks ago. But this Scripture is really beginning to mean a lot to me. Because, you know, we are a blessed people. We are really blessed. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Hallelujah. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You know, sometimes I think we have it so, so good, we take for granted all the stuff that we have. Let's not be haughty in any way of the goodness and the graciousness of God, but take all of those wonderful things that He has given to us and enjoy them and give God the glory for it. I think when we live like that, when we are so grateful and so mindful of the fact that God is the one who blesses us and gives us all these wonderful things, God, I'm not going to love those things, but I'm going to enjoy them. Enjoy him in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's take a look at this story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, that uh, they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city. They had been out fighting uh, battles. And so then they come back to their home city of Ziklag. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you see, can you put yourself in this tragic, terrible situation? Hey guys, a bunch of us, we go out to a men's retreat and we come back and everything's gone. Our houses are burned down, our wives have been taken, our children are gone. 
It's like there's been a rapture only it's by, by the enemy. They've been taken. They've been stolen. How sad of a situation that would be. And they wept so hard and so long that they lost all of their strength. And David's two wives, verse 5, Mrs. A, the Jezreelite, and the second Mrs. A, Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So David was right in here with all of his warriors. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Isn't that interesting? They don't seem to be grieved that their wives were gone. I love this next part. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the midst of all of this, his wives are gone. Everybody's thinking about stoning him. He had every reason to be down and discouraged and depressed and even fleeing for his own life because, I mean, there's, there's multiple reasons for David to be in panic mode here. But what's he do? Instead of being in panic mode, it says, but David, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How do you do that whenever you are surrounded by misery, whenever you are surrounded by defeat, whenever everything seems to have gone wrong, whenever you weren't where it seems like you should have been, whenever you should have zigged, whenever they zagged, you're just, things just aren't going well. What do you do? Do you moan and groan and complain? Do you say, oh, woe is me? How many of you remember, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms, I remember that one? David was in this position. Oh my goodness, they're wanting to stone me, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, guess I'll go eat worms. But David, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Hallelujah. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now the ephod was a vest and it had 12 different colored stones on it, each stone representing the different tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now it wasn't, Later, well, let's just go ahead and read. Here it says, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now, whenever he had the ephod brought to him, it wasn't that the ephod spoke to him, but the ephod represented that the only one who was supposed to wear the ephod was a priest. Now, you know from Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 5, that you and I have been made kings and priests. Amen? Do you know that? Do you know you've been made a king or a priest? And a priest. So, whenever you put, you and I have the ability, the right to put on the ephod, and what that represents, it represents the presence of God. It represents the anointing of God. And so whenever he had that on, then David heard from the Lord. I don't know for sure whether it's an audible voice. We talked about this in Sunday school class. How do you hear the voice of God? Jenny did a great job of 
talking to us about being led of the Spirit and hearing the voice of the Lord. I hear the voice of the Lord in many different ways. I, I hear what He's saying to me in multiple ways. I try not to put Him in a box and say, well, He's just going to operate like this. He's only going to speak to me through His Word. I try not to uh, put Him in a single way of speaking to me. I want God to be opened. Uh, I want to be open to God for Him to speak into my heart any way He wants to. Sometimes He uses my grandchildren. Sometimes he can use an animal. Sometimes he might use somebody else. Uh, I announced last Sunday that uh, Pastor Josh, starting September the 1st, will become the head pastor, and I'm going to become the associate. We're going to have a switch. And back in the spring, late, late uh, winter, early spring, I was contemplating what the timing was supposed to be on all of this. And uh, I was beginning to feel like I felt, was feel, feeling like the Lord was saying September. One of the crazy thoughts that went through my mind while I was praying about all of this was that, oh man, if we do make this switch, I'm going to have to have my name taken off of the sign out front and put Josh's name on it. That very week... Two cars collide out here and wipe out our sign. My name is no longer on the sign out front. Now, we can, we can laugh at that. It is funny. But I take that as a sign. I really do. So maybe it's supposed to have happened in March instead of September. I, I, I just try to hear, what, is, what are you saying, Lord? Are you saying something in this? And many times he is. Many times he uses circumstances to, to speak to us. So here we have David, who's, he brings in the ephod, and the, the Spirit of the Lord says to him, yes, pursue them, overtake them, you will recover everything. And you know, he could have doubted that. How many times do you doubt whether the Lord's saying something to you or not? It's so important that we understand Romans 8, 17, those who are or 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have to be people who understand and know that we are to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. It's an exciting life to be led by His Spirit. It's a wonderful way to live whenever we hear from Him and we know the direction we're supposed to go. Because many times He'll, he'll keep you from danger. He'll keep you from making mistakes. Many times I've made mistakes because I ignored the voice of the Lord. And then I have to ask for forgiveness, and then He has to come back in and, and try to rescue me. That's not really the way He wants us to live. He wants us to live by His Spirit so that He can bless. Hallelujah. So here David is told, in verse 8, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. And I'm saying to you this morning, I don't know what's been stolen from you. I don't know if you've had peace 
that's been taken from you because of situations. I don't know if you've had finances stolen from you. I don't know if you've had a marriage stolen from you. I don't know what has been stolen from you. But every single one of us in here have had something taken from us by our adversary, the devil. And I'm telling you right now that the Lord wants to restore that back to you and plus some. Because we'll see here that Let's continue to read. Verse 19, it says, And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. This is whenever David goes and he attacks the enemy. Small or great, sons or daughters, spoil. That's extra. Not only they got back their stuff, but they got spoil, extra stuff, or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered how much? All. Hallelujah. And once again, I just want to say to whoever you are here this morning, whatever you have had stolen from you, He wants to restore it all plus some because of the spoil. Hallelujah. Now let's take a little review here. In Joel, we know that locusts will come. There's going to be things come and devour our stuff but He will restore it. In Malachi, we see that if we'll be faithful to the tithes and offerings, that He'll put a hedge of protection around us and He will do far exceedingly beyond anything that we can ask or think. We know that in Philippians 4, that my God shall supply all of my needs. We know that in Timothy, that we are to enjoy all the things that God has richly given to us. Hallelujah. And then King David had everything restored. Now, in Luke 4 and verse 13, it says, now, this is just really interesting to me. Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days, and He had been tempted of the devil. And how did Jesus overcome the temptations of the devil? By the Word of God. Satan would come and say, it is written, but then Jesus would counteract that with the Word of God. That's our weapon against the devil. No, you have to know the Word of God. Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide His Word in your heart because if you don't hide His Word in your heart, whenever trials and tribulations come, come about, you're going to speak negativism. You're going to speak fear, doubt, and unbelief. Whenever we do, whenever we come into a trial or a tribulation, what we need to speak is the Word. Because it's the Word that applies and it's the Word that will get you through. I don't know how many times I hear people say, you know, they'll, they'll forget something. How many times do... I've said it before myself, but I know there's many of us who'll say, um, oh, you know, Alzheimer's coming in on me. Old-timer's disease, you know. Oh, I'm just like my mother. You know, she couldn't remember a thing either. Don't say those kinds of things. Don't be like your mother who couldn't remember anything. Have the mind of Christ who remembers everything. You see, you have to speak it. Am I still to the place where I remember everything? No, but I'm not going to confess that I can't remember anything. I'm going to confess the Word of God. I have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Now this here says, once again, Jesus being tempted had been tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. and says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now isn't that interesting that he would say that about Jesus himself? Well, don't you know that there's going to be opportune times 
in your life, there's going to be an opportune time, whether you're, you're weak one day, you've been kind of beat up, you've been going through some stu- tough stuff, and there's not an opportune time for the devil to come in and to tempt you or to try to get you discouraged, try to get you depressed, try to get you to where you're all defeated and down and out. There's going to be opportune times. If, there's going to, if there was an opportune time for Jesus, you know there's going to be opportune times for us. The thing is, are you going to be prepared whenever that opportune time comes? And He doesn't need our help to have opportune times. Many times that's what we do. We help the devil out by saying, usually it's with our lips, we say fear, doubt, and unbelief, and we give him the opportunity to get his foot in the door and to work against us. John 10.10, our our verse. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. The thief does not come except to steal. Let me tell you, if you are messing around with sin, if you are indulging in things that you know you shouldn't be. The devil is trying to steal and to kill and to destroy you. He's not just allowed, it's not just something where you're having a little bit of fun. It will eventually kill, steal, or destroy. And if the devil is, a, is coming to you, it's for one reason and one reason only. See here, it says the devil does not come except to kill, to steal, to destroy. That's the only thing he's coming for is those three things he wants to do in your life. And if you're messing around with stuff, I don't know, it doesn't matter whether it's drinking or whether it's smoking or whether it's extramarital stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm telling you, you keep on that path and it's going to kill, steal, and destroy. It's a wrong path to be going down. We are to be living righteous. We're to be living holy. Is it a challenge? Is it it easy? Yes, it's a challenge. And no, it's not easy. But with the power of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we can do it. Sin kills, steals, and destroys. Uh, Cain and Abel. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel were uh, uh, the first brothers born to Adam and Eve. And Cain... Uh, wanted to slay Abel because Cain brought an offering and God didn't accept it. Abel brought an offering and God did accept it. So Cain wanted to slay Abel. And God Himself speaks to Cain and He says this in Genesis 4 verse 7. He says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Every one of us has the capability within us because of Christ to overrule sin. It doesn't matter if if you're hooked on shopping, God can deliver you from that. If you're hooked on gossip, God can deliver you from that. If you're hooked on pornography, God can deliver you from that. But you have to yield yourself to Him. 
You can't just keep yielding to the temptation. Because when you do that, you're giving in to the enemy. And he is saying here, and his desire is for you. What's it wanted to do? It's wanted to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But you should rule over it. You take authority over that thing. So the battle for all of these things is where? Joyce Meyer has a book that's sold millions. The Battlefield of the Mind. That's where it's at, isn't it? It's, it's right here. It's between your ears. That's why we're supposed to renew our mind. We'll read that Scripture here in a moment. <clears throat> the battle's in the mind. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. I mentioned this scripture earlier, but do you understand that you have the mind of Christ available to you when you receive Christ as your Savior? You have the capability of thinking like He thinks. We're not going to instruct Him, but we can think like He thinks. And man, sometimes you, man, you have a tough decision to make, and I, that's my prayer. Oh, Lord, let me think like you think. Let me understand this situation. Here's a simple little illustration. I don't know how many times last week we was watching three, three of my grandsons. I don't know how many times they came in to me. Caleb hit me. No, you hit me. How many times have you heard things like that? And I used to try to decipher which one was telling the truth. Here's what I do now. Got both of them. I grab them by the shoulder and I say, one of you is lying and I'm not going to be the referee to decide who is lying. Go back out and play. You guys settle it. Now I'll tell you what, that's wisdom. Because after a while they learn it ain't going to do any good to go to Papa and have him to try to decide this because he ain't going to do it. So you guys work it out. That's really the mind of Christ. You know, sometimes God just has us work it out. But He wants us to work it out by His Spirit. Hallelujah. Now we may go back here depending on how much time we have. We may go back here in a moment and look at, look at more of 1 Corinthians 2. I'm not sure. I want us to look at, uh, right now, I want us to look at a very familiar verse, Romans 12, verse 2, and it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I was to ask for a show of hands, I would say most everybody in here probably wants to, to have a good and acceptable, you want to know the perfect will of God in your life. How are you going to do that? We do that by renewing this that's in between our ears. You have to do it on a daily basis too. Let me tell you something. You cannot get through today what was revealed to you last week. Now, what was revealed to you last week is good, and that can help you out. But to get through, you've got to have revelation. You, have, you need knowledge. You need relationship today. You need relationship with the Lord every single day. And the only way you're going to do that is to get into His Word, 
have prayer life. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm not going to have that old stinking thinking of the world. The world has its way of thinking, and I'm not going to think the way the world thinks. I'm going to think the way the Word of God thinks. And realign your words with what the Word says. Don't say those things that are contrary to His Word. That's why on that simple verse I told you a couple of weeks ago, let me see if I can find that again. That simple verse, 1 Timothy 6.17, bring that up again, 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And I mentioned this, I just want to say this again because it lines up perfectly with what I'm talking about. Line up your words with the Word of God. I am trying to get out of my vocabulary that I love anything here on this earth. Oh, I love to go camping. I love pizza. I'm trying to change that. I'm not going to love stuff. But what can we do? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Lord, I, I enjoy this camper. Thank you. I enjoy pizza. You see, it's a little change in the way that your vocabulary, but you're beginning to line your words up with the Word of God. That is what He can bless. He cannot bless your words that are contradictory to His Word. Does that make sense? Is anybody getting this? Your words... Life and death, the Bible says, are in the power of the tongue. And he who loves it will live by it. Our words have to line up with the Word of God. So I'm trying to change my vocabulary. Whenever I come under conviction about something like that, I want to change that part of my life. So I'm going to quit saying, I'm trying to quit saying, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Because it becomes a habit. I want to change that to where I love things on this earth. I love Jackie. That's okay. But I'm not going to love stuff. But God's given it to us to enjoy. But even in that, we have to make sure that we enjoy it with God still being number one. Hallelujah. All right. Romans 12, 2, once again, it says, and do not be conformed to this world. I'll tell you, there's so much conforming to this world. I cannot believe the denominations of, of the church, is supposed to be the church of Jesus Christ, who are showing their true colors by not standing up for the Word of God, but who are conforming to this world. We see it all the time. God's judgment's coming. Do not be conformed to this world, but be <clears throat> transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you all know this scripture. Hopefully, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Man, whenever I find myself going back to, to my old nature... You know, we're, we're supposed to live in our new nature. You, you've been born again. 
That's what being born again means. It means you have taken on a new nature. You're no longer the old person. Man, whenever I find myself wanting to get angry or getting frustrated, that, that's the old nature. And you know, God doesn't work on my old nature. He's working on my new nature. So whenever you say, oh God, work on my, work on my anger. He doesn't work on your anger. That's your old nature. He works on your love. That's your new nature. And whenever you become perfect in love, you no longer have anger. Isn't that amazing how that works? He works on your new nature. Anger management is totally unbiblical. I don't want to manage my anger. I want to be such a loving, joyful person who is walking in such peace that anger has no place. Doesn't that make sense? That's good even if you didn't say so. <laughs> In Matthew 6.24 it says this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will, and I don't have it on the overhead, either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I'm calling you this morning out of mediocrity. I'm calling you out of just the normal way of living. I'm calling you out of average this morning. I'm calling you out of settling. I'm calling you out of that today because there's a higher calling for all of us to live. And we can't serve two masters. You're either going to love the one and hate the other one, or you're going to serve the one and despise the other. Choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to hear this. The devil has no right to kill, to steal, and to destroy anything from the believer. For the one who is in Christ, who is walking righteous before Him, He has no right to kill, to steal, or to destroy anything that you have. And He wants to come in. If there's been things that have stolen from you, if there's been things killed in your life, if there's things been destroyed in your life, He wants to restore all of that plus more. Why is that? Because it's His nature and He will be glorified. So let's all stand and as we ponder that, if you know you are a person who needs for God to restore what the enemy has stolen, you know you need to take back what the enemy has stolen. I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to have a prayer. I'm not going to call you for it. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. I know that the devil has stolen some things from me. Many hands up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your nature. For your nature to heal and to restore. To bring back to life. To raise the dead. I thank you, Lord, that there's 
things in each one of our lives, especially those who have raised their hands, that have died, that have been destroyed. And Lord, I just pray right now that You do a resurrection in each one of us. That You do what only You can do. And Lord, in the midst of all that, I ask for insight into every single person. If they've made mistakes that have brought on the devil that has allowed him to kill, to steal, and to destroy, I would pray that that would be revealed to us, Lord, and that we would slam the door shut in his face. That he no longer would have access to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then above and beyond that, Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Restore unto us those things that the enemy has stolen. And may the Lord be glorified and high and lifted up. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.